If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a corrompent throttle bottom to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the magical thinking fallacy. But just a minute before we go, <laughs> a corrompent throttle bottom. Yeah. That's, that's so, quite something. So a throttle bottom yeah. is a largely harmless but bumbling and incompetent public servant, public figure, person right. in power. Right. I have seen conflicting reports of whether it already existed or whether it was from the 30s political satire comedy of the I Sing. It's called George S. Kaufman uh, right. yep. musical, yep. in which one of the characters was Vice President Alexander Throttlebottom. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like someone trying to suppress a, an imminent fart, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But Throttlebottoms are, are usually harmless. So right. a corrumpent one. Right. Uh, corrompent is a 14th century word that means a politician, basically, who breaks the laws that they are in power to, to put in place. Nice. And it's, um, yes, because it contains corrupt and, and a homophone for Trump. Well, yeah, it All comes in there. Um, rumpen, rumpere is Latin right. for break. Ah, right. Yeah. And so it's about, it's about breaking the laws that you In a, in a corrupt fashion. Ah, there you go. Cool. Couldn't be more apt, could it? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, magical thinking fallacy. <laughs> magical oh, yeah. thinking fallacy, oh, yeah. 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 After that little diversion into lexicology. Yeah. Yes, magical thinking is about using something magical and suggesting it it has a causal relationship to something happening in the real world or in kind of something we can all point to and say, yes, that's a real thing. Right. But but arguing that that is based on or is the result of or could be prevented by something which not everyone agrees is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's bullshit. Because there's also, there's, there's lots of people have been talking recently with the leadership contest running over here for the new prime minister talking about magical thinking in a kind of different context, different way. They're just So it's just like the, the magic money tree was magic was yeah. accused when Labour would say, oh, we would pay for it by this, that and the other. And that was called the, the magic money tree because it was just magical thinking, like they were going to come up with money out of nowhere. And strangely enough, all the leaders that are all the people that are uh, running for the leadership 
are all doing the same. They're coming up with this sort of <laughs> yeah. magic reasoning where money would just appear to be able to fund tax cuts left, right. So that's up. kind of closer to a different fallacy, which we'll probably talk about another time, called uh-huh. wishful thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yep. wishful thinking rather than magical thinking. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, but but this one is is about linking ethereal, spiritual, godly, magical, or kind of universal forces or whatever right to 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 things happening in the real world it also made me it put me in mind of the um which i think we might have talked about before the chocolate biscuit fallacy um which i heard in a a fictionalized so in fact there's a series on radio four over here um which is a short thing where they turn the facts of the day or the week into a fictionalized thing and one of them and it was written by a uh, a journalist who was talking about the the causal connection that people come up with as a reason for not getting vaccinated and the the doctor in it was talking about it saying well the 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 problem that you're suffering from this particular denier is n- known in the uh, medical profession as the chocolate biscuit fallacy because if we gave everyone in the country a chocolate biscuit and after which people would lose their teeth or die or have a miscarriage or go deaf or get cancer. It's, it just happens afterwards. It's not yeah. because of. It's a, it's a, a it's bad... It's a corruption of post-hoc ergo propter. Yes, it's a yeah. bad causal yeah. connection. Yeah, they're saying, because I've had the chocolate biscuit, I've now got. And, and of course, yeah, that's so nonsense. With, with post-hoc ergo propter, the, the thing that sets that apart from this one slightly yeah. is that both of those things happen <laughs> right ah, <laughs> they, okay. and, and they happen in a in an order and yeah and so there's an assumption that the first thing causes the second order yeah. some yeah uh in this one yeah the first thing the causal thing yeah uh, uh arguably at least never happened at all anyway right <laughs> yes okay. Or, okay or that two things happen but they're linked through a magical method Right. So in our first example, uh, this is Trump on election day 2016 uh, calling in to Fox and Friends. Tell me about this day for Donald Trump. Well, it's very exciting. It's, uh, you know, I've spoken to you folks for a lot during our very successful primaries. Oftentimes every single one I was speaking to you in the morning. And so I'm a little bit uh, superstitious. So when you said, please call, I said, I'll call. But I won... uh, Many primaries uh, speaking to you first thing in the morning, so I'm going to keep that string going. So Trump reckons that because he called Fox and Friends in the morning yeah. on the days of various primaries that he then was triumphant in, the most sensible thing to do and the thing that will actually have some real-world effect yeah. is speaking to them first thing in the morning on election day. Right. So the so the fact that he says he's, he's a bit superstitious yeah. is actually kind of that's... Um, associated with that sort of magic. It's a bit like soccer players always putting the same sock yep. on first because that means they will win. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, yeah. and yeah, he is a bit superstitious, as it turns out. There's uh, one of the books written about him by, I think, Corey Lewandowski and David Bossy talked about him uh, doing things like throwing salt over his shoulder at mealtimes and uh, wow. talking about um, bad juju and right. things like that right yeah so uh, yeah there's it turns out there's uh there's a few things that he is 
quite superstitious about and and kind of not wanting to to mess things up uh like in our second clip where he is uh, this is during the run-up to the midterms in 2018. I think we're doing really well. I'm looking at the Senate votes, and uh, races that we were not even going to contest were now winning. If you look at North Dakota, if you look at, I could name four or five of them, but I don't want to jinx myself by doing it, but many of the Senate races that we didn't think we were even going to be contesting to a large extent, we are now leading. So realistically, he doesn't mention the four or five because he just can't think of the names of four or five other states. Yeah, but yeah, but he blames it yeah. <laughs> on not wanting to jinx it by talking about the places where the Republicans are actually doing really well. This is before the voting has started, so this is kind of early polling, I guess, he was right. basing it on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, the, the idea that that you can jinx something again it's not you know it's widely held this kind of thing is believed by people including lots of people who consider themselves probably to be quite logical thinkers there's there's often still things like you know you might knock on wood or something like that just as a you know a bit of a kind of hangover from earlier beliefs or superstitions but if you base anything on it or use it in arguments or um, assume that it will actually have an effect. Uh, it's probably not a logical position to take. Yeah, yeah, You're right. There, we used to have a there was a guy at school who would have to go out the same door that he came in, even in a kind of you know in like the the school hall, which had probably eight doors. He said, "Well, if I don't, if, especially on exam day, he would say, well, 'Well, I'd have to. I've got to go out through that same door.'" Otherwise, that would affect the result of my exam. And you're going, well, if you're spending more energy doing that than, say, revising the subject, then, then yeah, it may well have an effect. But probably not the one you want. Yeah, I mean, I, to be, I absolutely used to do stuff kind of like that. Or right. when, I, when I used to do temp in bowling, I would, if I was not playing particularly well, one game i would i would untuck my shirt or tuck my shirt in depending on which way it had started right and in some kind of weird belief that that would have some effect on yeah. on how i was playing and and the thing about and sports every time i did it i got a strike yeah well no yeah. it did it, <laughs> yeah. it often didn't work at all but it worked <laughs> but it but there were probably there were enough times when i was doing it that yeah. you know the next shot or or the one of the next few shots happened to did better or something like that and so yeah. that reinforces it and you get right. that confirmation yeah, bias yeah, going yeah. On. Yeah. and and the other thing about sports is and this is why it seems like sports people tend to be more kind of uh superstitious and yeah. there's certainly a lot of examples that people can point to is that a part of the your ability to do well in sports is your mindset and so if you are confident and believe that you can do it and you're going in with a particular kind of focus and level of force or whatever, yep. it actually does make a difference because of the psychology of how you feel about it. Yeah, Not yeah. Not because, you know, the thing you did didn't make the difference or the fact that you're yeah. wearing your lucky underpants or whatever. Yeah. But but the effect it has on your brain and then the effect your brain has on how well you do sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a, there is a causal thing there. I was watching uh, Rafa Nadal in at Wimbledon. Every time he was go to, going to serve, he would uh, touch each of his ears and then either side of his nose and then uh, wipe his brow with both wristbands. And he kind of, and he'd do that 
every time. It, and it, you know, and he touched the opposite ear with the opposite hand, so he'd kind of go. You know, it, you could almost somebody ought to cut it to a drum beat because it would just go. You know, dum, 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 and then he and then he'd serve. It's so ingrained in what he does; it's part of his routine that if he he doesn't know he's doing it, but if he didn't do it, and I suspect he would not be able to serve or yeah, he'd he, feel he'd weird. Yeah, come off somehow. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll all go to pot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there is at least an argument for some slight causal relationship yeah. between sports people doing routines or wearing a particular thing and yeah. and it changing their performance at least in a small way possibly. Obviously that isn't the case when you've got just Trump talking on TV <laughs> about how yeah. how various Senate races are going to go in the midterms. Yeah. Yeah, and whether that will then mean he wins, you know, his his team, his yeah. uh, his yeah. party wins or loses. So there's no there's no relationship there, and also there's no relationship when he sent a tweet in 2012. Uh, this is 15th of October 2012. He said Derek Jeter had a great career until three days ago when he sold his apartment at Trump World Tower. I told him not to sell. Karma. <laughs> now three days before that. Uh, Derek Jeter broke his ankle in a baseball game. It probably right. wasn't because he sold his apartment at Trump World Town. Right. I uh, can't think of a plausible causal relationship between, between those two things. Selling some real uh, estate and breaking it. Uh, yeah, he just uh, landed yeah. badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he didn't sell it because it was up a big flight of stairs. That he always no, tripped down. Lifts. Yeah. Yeah. Lifts. yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> and. Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. The usual thing in, in British politics, it's difficult to pin down anyone definitely saying, because this magical thing, magically then that. Well, apart from Nadine Dorries, who basically always says, because Remainers, then anything and everything. Um, but I, really, I think there really are several, many examples of magical thinking in this vein to choose from in current British politics. Boris Johnson and his staunchest supporters seem to subscribe to the notion that if they almost superstitiously simply repeat that they did nothing wrong, can't remember doing anything wrong, lie about saying they couldn't remember, or tell us we have to wait to see what the report by someone looking into whether they've done something wrong says, then that thing will go away. There's kind of a a, a culture of just saying these magical things and then that will make the the thing that was causing them trouble disappear and practically speaking it seems to work or the other thing they do is they simply have to say that they are doing something or even sometime later and that sometime later time period doesn't actually have to include them actually doing the thing that they're saying they're doing and after that time period they can then then say that they have done something and then this means they don't have to have actually done anything to address the things they say are important or the things that actually are important to voters, like cost of living or fuel prices or transport chaos or Brexit or the heat or food poverty. So for the very last time of answering any and every question from Keir Starmer at Prime Minister's Questions this week, just as he has done for at least a year or two, Boris invokes the same kind of occult mantra of superstitious touchstones and he mentions the vaccination program so these are the things that he actually had not done anything about they've just talked about that they've done something 
and they so and it always includes the vaccination program, more people in employment, and the fastest economic growth. Why does the prime minister think? that those vying to replace him decided to pull out of the Sky debate last night. T- today today is, happens to be just about the anniversary of, of the exit from lockdown last year. It was because we were able to take that decision, Mr Speaker, supported by every single one of those Conservative candidates, that we had the fastest economic growth in the G7. We're now able to help families up and down the country. We had growth in May of 0.5 per cent. We have more people in paid employment than at any time in the history of this country. If we'd listened to him, it wouldn't have been possible, Mr Speaker. But I do note that the Prime Minister didn't agree with his former Chancellor. So what about his Foreign Secretary? She said, if Rishi has got this great plan for growth, why haven't we seen it in the last two and a half years at the Treasury? What you saw in the last two and a half years was because of the pandemic, the biggest fall in output for for 300 years, which this government dealt with and and coped with magnificently uh, by by distributing vaccines faster than any other European government, faster than any other major economy, which would not have been possible if we had listened to him. So there there he is doing the, the, the saying that they have done stuff to do and as a result of doing this stuff that they said they have done then they've had the fastest growth in the economy and they got the vaccination rollout done and if we'd listened to him with that and that's another i would submit magical thinking if we'd listened to him it wouldn't have happened um, well that's a the, counterfactual fallacy which we talked about right i forget which episode but yeah it's in the archives yeah 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 <laughs> And um, so, by the way, the Office for National Statistics, which kept writing to Boris to tell him to stop saying more people in employment, but rather paid employment, not self-employed, because the former was never true, as during the three years of Boris's government, self-employment dropped by 800,000. But the Office of National Statistics also report that the highest rates recorded in the history of this country of employment were 1872, 1943 and 2018 and the lowest being during the Great Depression. So we could also add, I would submit Malud to this necromancy, Brexit and Ukraine, as if if these are magical incantations to to dispel any and all criticism of him, glossing over, for instance, the deaths of 130,000 people because of his late responses to COVID, and merely saying them, this makes them have happened and true and a legacy and not hastily cobbled together a list of things that he had nothing to do with or did nothing about. His resignation speech and final paragraph to the Commons were no exceptions either. And of course, I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent for over half a century, uh, reclaiming the power for this country to make its own laws in Parliament, getting us all through the pandemic, delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, the fastest exit from lockdown, and in the last few months, leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression 
in Ukraine. And yes, uh, the, the, the last few years have been the greatest privilege of, of my life. And it's true that I, I helped to get the biggest Tory majority for 40 years and a, a huge realignment in UK politics, Mr Speaker. We've transformed our democracy and restored our national independence. We've helped, I've helped to get this country through a pandemic and help save another country from barbarism. And frankly, that's enough to be going on with. There's also accelerated truth there. So not only has he led the, the, the fight in condemning Putin, but actually he's saved an entire country from barbarism. How the, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. How the... F- what? Yeah. When, what, what? Yeah. I was... Yeah. I, yeah, I heard that. I was like, what country is he talking yeah, about? Well, yeah. When, I don't remember yeah. that happening. Yeah, I know there's been a lot on in the last few years, but, yes, exactly, but I feel like I would remember would have that. Noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> and you could be, yeah, be fairly sure he would have told us about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so my my submission to the, the this fallacy is that he sa- he says these things, and therefore people will forget about other stuff, and and therefore that will become his legacy. So there, he makes this causal thing be, be, by constantly talking about the the best growth in the G7, constantly talking about the fastest vaccination rollout, constantly latterly talking about his intervention in the in, in <laughs> releasing Ukraine from barbarism. And what that does is move the focus away from the fact that he hasn't done any of those things. And it, it it's designed to convince voters that he's done a marvellous job. And on well, Twitter. it's a it's a bit questionable, but I guess I'll let you go away. With it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but it seemed to make sense at the time. Yeah, and, and and what is horrible is that this this convincing other people that he's done a good job seems to be working on Twitter, unless of course all of those IDs are the fake ones that Elon Musk is concerned about. Wouldn't be surprised. And at this final PMQs, Jeremy Corbyn stands up and the the prime he kind of wants to interrupt his final stuff and and actually notices that what he's doing is magical thinking and this is what he calls it i'm grateful to the prime minister for taking a break from his fantasy tour of this country <laughs> could he could he take one moment to explain why 14 million people in this country are living in poverty. Why there are more food banks than there are branches of McDonald's. Why his government is presiding over the enriching of the richest, the impoverishment of the poorest, and the greatest job insecurity in industry after industry. He has created poverty, inequality, and insecurity. That is his legacy. So, if if the you know the the strict definition of this magical thinking fallacy is that there's this thing that didn't happen that has no relationship to the truth and that therefore causes something else that didn't happen and has no relationship to the truth so all of the things boris talked about led to this marvelous legacy uh, and a very uh, uh, competent government that's delivered on all of these things that, and that, and both neither of those bears any resemblance to the truth of what's gone on, which is, as Corbyn points out, that there are more food banks where people go to get food because they can't afford to buy it. There are more of those than there are branches of McDonald's. I mean, 
that's amazing just on its own because there's a yeah. fuck ton of McDonald's. Yeah, 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 and that and that is all down to the reality of what's happened over the last twelve years because there weren't that many food banks before they came yeah. into power, and now there's more than there are branches of McDonald's. Yeah. So, and if you so, listen to certain Tory ministers, they're not even necessary. No, people don't even no. need them, do they? You don't need them. No, only, yeah. And they, poverty, just don't, poverty don't, and food insecurity aren't really a thing. No, no, because you know they, they, we've rolled out the fastest, thing, which, which actually, incidentally, Boris had nothing to do with. Yeah. And and nor did he have anything to do with the G seven growth. The reason the G seven growth was was as large as it was is because it had plummeted. Uh, yeah, 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 and um, actually, the office of no, the House of Commons Library says that um, the UK takes a different approach to others in calculating output in the <laughs> education and health sectors, for instance. And this because has resulted tell the truth about it. <laughs> yes, this has resulted in the GDP growth figures being lower in 2020 and higher in 2021 mm. compared with other G7 economies. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, there we go. So, um, yeah, magical thinking means that people think Boris has done a good job when he's not had to do any job whatsoever. He's definitely got people under his spell. I'll say that for him. There you go. Nice. Cosplay Thatcher lives on Downing Street. A tragic wooden puppet freak, she's got no policies. She says the economy's ruined, she's forgot who's been in charge. She can't string two words together, employing wild fallacies. Trust the tragic madam lives on Downing Street That the Tories think that she can lead Means we're completely up shit creek Trust the tragic madam lives on Downing Street That the Tories think that she can lead Means we're completely up shit creek Peter, Paul and Mary there with Puff the Magic Dragon. Excellent. I, yeah, it either had to be that or Magical Mystery Tour. I was well, yeah, but then I had this feeling yeah. that I'd already done Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> you may well and, have uh, done, yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking, oh, have I done that one? And then, and then suddenly... You need a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah quite. Yeah. And then tr- Trust the Tragic Madam popped into my head and yeah. I couldn't c- or a wiki. anything else. If, any, if anyone wants to do a, a fallacious Trump wiki... That Feel would be great. Yeah. yeah, do that. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, we could go, th- go through handy. and yeah, because there have been one or two people that have really liked the um, the the stings there, mm-hmm. and that would be useful to refer back to yeah, the yeah. ones they like. <laughs> and we'll just play those ones <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective, and our first example this week comes from The Handmaid's Tale, Ooh. and is therefore not non-political at all yeah um (laughs) so this is from season four Mm -hmm. where uh commander waterford has been taken by the canadians and is being visited by a fellow commander has there been any negotiation on my behalf 
such as A prisoner exchange, perhaps a promise to advance more humanitarian efforts? What if we negotiate? Yes, what if? We'd embolden more kidnappings, more commanders being held hostage. Think of the precedent. I'm thinking of my years of service to the Republic. I'm thinking of my wife and my son. We will continue to send you our thoughts and prayers. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a brilliant trolling of Republicans, really. Yeah, yeah. Suggesting that, uh, you know, we, there's stuff. Yeah, sure, there are things we could do. But what yeah. we will do is send you thoughts and prayers. Yeah, yeah. The idea yeah. that that sending thoughts and prayers is going to have any actual effect whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so this, you know... This very devout Christian who is asking for help, when, yeah. when that's what he's told he's getting, his thoughts and prayers, his his expression is like, well, fuck, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the irony. Uh, yeah. Huh? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. that always comes to the fore when you think, oh, yeah, if only, you know, body armor was made of thoughts and prayers, that would be... You know, yeah, yeah. and it would mean surely that there would that no people who are at church schools would ever get gunned down by a mad mad gunman. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I've only just recently finally got around to watching The Handmaid's Tale. I just right. kind of binged it completely in a couple yeah. of weeks, but yeah. it is so good. And and the, but the most unrealistic thing about it, unfortunately, yeah. is that the theocrats give a shit about the environment. That. Right. <laughs> that other than that, yeah. it's absolutely all... Comp- yeah, I'm just watching it going, yep, yep, this is like yep. <laughs> any minute now, basically, yep. this is what things yeah, are yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Have they? Have you got to the one where the mashup by... Yeah, a friend of ours, uh, yep. Jonas Crabtree, did a, a mashup of uh, Philip Glass and... Yep. And Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass yeah. by Blondie. Uh, yeah, it's used in I think episode two or three. It's an early cool. one. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a um, a protest yeah. that is soundtracked by that. Very very oh, good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And if you're interested in the how we know him, go check out our movie. <laughs> Nothing to declare because he did the music for it. He did. Check him out on IMDb, yeah. and it will lead you to our our masterwork yeah. masterwork yeah let's call it a masterwork. yeah we'll just look up yeah. the daft beatles because that's the there you go the yes. name he did under yeah. i believe yeah. so yeah yeah uh anyway um <laughs> our next example yeah is from friends yay of course <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah. and uh and this is actually the cold open of an episode where uh, phoebe has a, a toothache you need a dentist i've got a good one. Oh, thanks i have a good one too i just i i, I can't see him See, that is the problem with invisible dentists. <laughs> Why? Why can't you go to them? Because every time I go to the dentist, somebody dies. That is so weird, because every time I go to the dentist, I look down the hygienist's blouse. Baby, what? Um, what? Yeah, yeah. First there was my Aunt Mary, and then there was um, John, my mailman. And then my, my cowboy friend, Albino Bob. <laughs> and all of these people actually died? Yes, while I was in the chair. 
That's why I take such good care of my teeth now, you know? It's not about oral hygiene. I floss to save lives. Eves, come on. You didn't kill anybody. These people just happened to die when you went to the dentist. It's, it's just a coincidence. Well, tell that to them. Oh, you can't. They're dead. <laughs> So good, such a nicely written <laughs> thing. That's if you just if you if you wanted to point somebody to friends, you go, uh-huh. yeah, just just watch that. Ross, as always, the voice of reason. Yeah, pointing out that coincidences happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, this is the one that made me think of the chocolate biscuit thing. You know, right, yeah, so yeah. I ate this chocolate biscuit and then people uh-huh. died, so yeah. I don't eat chocolate biscuits anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Phoebe, being Phoebe, believes that yeah. there is some causal relationship <laughs> yes. between her going yeah. to the dentist and people she knows dying. Yeah. And she calls it a curse, basically. When, when uh, spoiler for a 30-year-old episode or whatever it is, yeah. she goes and, and nobody dies. She is like, yay, the curse is broken. So she is seeing it as this kind of you know magical link somehow. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm flossing to save lives. <laughs> so good, isn't it? Yeah. That's a kind of that's a humanitarian campaign right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so our final example is from the Garfunkel and Oates song twenty nine thirty one. Are you aware of Garfunkel and Oates? Uh, yeah, I think you've mentioned them before, but I, but I could see why you like them because they're kind of yeah. they're a bit bit Tim Minchin in their storytelling. Yes. There's a tale going on <laughs> that there that subverts the actual song. So it's this this very um, gorgeously constructed song, and then and then it just it eats itself at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they are a okay. fantastic double act, Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm, who do yeah comedy songs, and they're all brilliant. Basically, this one is called Twenty Nine Thirty One, and it is the the singers are the same woman, age twenty nine and thirty one. Just say, hey, universe, I'm ready. It'll happen when you least expect it. Well, I don't expect it at all now, so I guess it's right around the corner. Maybe you're putting out the wrong vibe. Maybe you're closed off to love. Let me tell you a secret. It's called The Secret. Here's another secret. You're an asshole. Your negativity is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason things go well for me is because of positivity. Well, I'm positive fertility always begins to atrophy when infantile fantasy eclipses to reality. It never once occurred to me that things won't work out perfectly. When God closes a door, you see, he opens a window. You realize that's a smaller opening, right? You used to be able to just walk out a door and now you have to climb out some slightly ajar window somewhere, possibly falling like eight stories to your death. That is not an upgrade. So good. And then it goes on, and I love the way, and it goes on, and, she's, and the, the 29 one is all positive. And the 31 is just screaming. Yeah, for there's about, nobody left. For about 16 yeah. bars, she just yeah. screams underneath. So good. It's a really so good, good song. Yeah. yeah. First of all, she brings the secret into it. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is just about kind of asking the universe for what yeah. you want and you'll get it. Yeah, and suggesting that yes, it's it's self fulfilling prophecies and and uh, positivity, meaning that you'll find love and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is is her naive as in the perspective of the song view on uh, finding a partner? It's a bit like Jim Carrey and his tale of when he wrote himself a check for a million dollars or will or you know saying mm. one day I'll be able to cash this and yeah. then one day he was able to cash it and he said it was just because I manifested that and it happens yeah there, there was and you think oh yeah that's yeah magical. there was a there was a time when I lived in East London and at the end of my road was the bus stop to go to work oh it was when I was working at Channel 5 so I go mm. from Hackney to Channel 5 on the uh uh, on the bus 
it just seemed to be that every time I got to the end of the road, the bus would come. <laughs> and if I was a bit late, I would run and the bus would be there. And if I was a bit early, I would walk and the bus would be there. <laughs> it was nothing to do with the fact that I probably left the house in, in almost enough time to get there for the timetabled bus. Yeah. It, was my, it was purely my presence making the bus arrive. Yeah. And then it would make me laugh to do that. So <laughs> I would just keep doing it to see if it did it. <laughs> and, then, and you know, yes, it wasn't, it wasn't me making the universe. It was just me leaving the house at the right time because I'd had looked at the bus timetable at some point and gone, right, I need to leave the house with plenty of time. But, yeah. 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 And interestingly, going back to the sports for a moment, the, the, that kind of visualisation thing of, yeah. of picturing success, there is some research that suggests that absolutely doesn't work for sport. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> like vis- yeah, it's like I the thought opposite. you were going to say Vi- the opposite. No, no, no. <laughs> Visualising... Your success and vis- you know, kind of picturing yourself winning and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. If anything has a negative effect, it is, it's that. Yeah. yeah. If there's any kind of a, a benefit to visualization, according at least to this research, I don't think it was Richard Wiseman who did the research, but but I think okay. he talked about it in one of his books. It might have been right. 59 seconds. But yeah, the the visualization works when people visualize themselves training. It inc- it basically kind of encourages them to train harder and better right. but visualizing them succeeding in sport yeah is is actually has a negative effect on their their outcomes ability to so, succeed in sport yeah, wow yeah. wow so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody yes it's time for fake news the game where i read out three trump quotes two of which are real and one i made up and mark has to figure out which one is fake news you see i was about to talk about that the, the that just visualizing this winning thing. You see, it's purely that's what I've done all this time. I've just seen myself winning, and and obviously, clearly, it's not worked at all because yeah. you know I've visualized it ninety four times out of ninety four, and it's only worked forty six times out of that. So there's something I'm obviously doing something wrong. There, but there's a moment when I don't quite believe it, and I think that's what's doing. I've jinxed it mm. because I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those times when I've been visualising it, I've been holding the beer in my left hand instead of my right hand. That's where I've been going wrong. So I'm just going to have to double my bets and hold beers in both hands. (laughs) It's the only sensible... It's the only sensible (laughs) way to win from now on. Yeah. I I might give that a go too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this week, these, once again... Mm-hmm. Come from the Faith and Freedom Coalition conference. Oh, okay. God, how long did he talk for? <laughs> it was a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was a it was a rich mine, a rich seam to mine. Uh-huh. Yeah. And these are mm-hmm. also themed. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are times he lied about numbers. Uh, okay. Not not including the times he lied about the number of people who who were at his rallies because right. there okay. were plenty of those examples yeah. that I could have used. Yeah. So, statement number one: I gave twenty eight billion dollars of the China money to the farmers, our great American farmers. Nobody ever got China to pay ten cents before. Even presidents who were in for eight years, twelve years, in one case sixteen years. I only had four, and it was cruelly cut short by a rigged election. Maybe I'll have four more. Who knows? We'll have to see. But nobody ever made so much from China, and I gave it all to the farmers, who were so badly treated by previous administrations. They never got anything from them. Okay. In one case, 16 years, really? Yeah, okay. 
cut short by a reader. Okay. Statement number two. Mm-hmm. All right. I said yep. to the Secretary of Defence and others in the room, it's been verified now, they said ten to 20,000. I thought I said ten, but they said, no, you said ten to 20,000. If you had 200 National Guardsmen or military, January 6th would not have been January 6th as we know it. But as you know, Nancy Pelosi is in charge of security of the Capitol, along with the Mayor of Washington, D.C., and they turned it down. They didn't want it. I believe the Mayor turned it down in writing. There's a letter out there somewhere. So he's claiming there that he... He authorised ten to 20,000 National Guardsmen to be at the Capitol on January 6th. Right. But, but right. Nancy turned it down. Hmm. OK. I thought it was going to go from, like, from 10, 10, all the way up to 20,000. Yeah. Let's just get 10. Maybe we need maybe 11, 12, 20,000. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Uh, and finally, this yeah. one, he's talking about Air Force One. Right. I walk in and they wanted me to sign this contract for $5.8 billion. I said, who made the deal? They said, Obama. I said, I'm not signing it. Why? Because it's too much. They said, you don't know anything about it. I said, I know, but it's too much. I told Boeing, Dennis, I said, Dennis, we're not going to buy those planes. What do you mean you're not going to buy them? I said, do we have a cancellation clause? The general told me, yes, sir. I said, good, let's cancel. I told Boeing, Dennis, I said, Dennis (laughs) Boeing, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, oh, what was that? Who's he? Did he call somebody? Tim Apple. Tim Apple, yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. The general told me, yes, sir. I said, okay, let's cancel. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Okay. So, China money. <clears throat> Only a foot. And then he's off. So, he can't, it starts, as always, it starts with, I helped some other people out. <laughs> And then, and then it just like within a sentence, it talks about his presidency and how badly he was served, right? Okay, and then and then oh yeah, then it kind of goes back and goes yeah 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 yeah. Um, all right, and then mm, ten to twenty. Um, okay, mm, well the mm, Dennis Boeing, it's got a yes sir in there. Uh, which no general ever said that to him. Eek, eek. Uh, mm. uh, okay, my uh, my gut feel is the China money is is, but I'm yeah. But I think I'm going to go for number three. Is the one you made up? Okay, so mm-hmm. the other two. I th- I think the ten to twenty thousand one, it, it suddenly looks very fake. <laughs> is is the one I'm more confident about? Okay, I think I think he said that. So number two, yeah, is yeah real. I said to the Secretary of Defense and others in the room, it's been verified now. They said ten to twenty thousand. I thought I said ten, but they said no. You said from ten to twenty thousand. If you had two hundred. National Guardsmen or military, January 6th would not have been January 6th as we know it. But as you know, Nancy Pelosi is in charge of security of the Capitol, along with the mayor of Washington, D.C. And they turned it down. They didn't want it. I believe the mayor turned it down in writing. There's a letter out there somewhere. Just so vague, isn't it? <laughs> so what's been verified, the fact that there were others in the room? And he, I said to Secretary and others in the room. So I'll tell you. Said, I'll tell you what's been verified. 
Right. Um, Nothing was. So his his (laughs) claim is that he formally authorised 10 to 20,000, well, now now 20,000, he's saying, uh, National Guardsmen on January 6th. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like before the fact, so that he he'd authorised it, and and like during the week before, Nancy Pelosi right. and the mayor of DC, said in writing nothing. especially, yeah. turned it yeah. turned it down, said they didn't want anyone, and that was it. So what's been right. verified is, on yeah. the evening of the fifth, yeah, Chris Miller, the Secretary of Defence, oh, acting Secretary of Defence at the time, mentioned to Trump in a meeting that they were prepared to provide any National Guard support that the district requested. Right. Trump said to him, you're going to need 10,000 people. Like, right. boasting at how many right. people were going to be in D.C. And saying, you know, if you want, if you want, yeah, if you want to stop them, you're going to need 10,000 National Guard people. So Chris Miller yeah. says... He was just basically boasting about it. He was being hyperbolic, and that was it. That's the extent of the verification. There is, there right. was n- right. never. There's no record of him authorizing even ten thousand. Certainly not twenty thousand. No one's ever said twenty thousand. He's just added that for nothing. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi doesn't have the authority to deny that from happening. Yeah. Basically, if the if um. If the president orders National Guard to go to D.C., they're going to yeah. D.C. And um, yeah. one of the people that, that PolitiFact at least questioned is, you know, that's that's how we know it didn't happen. It was Dwight Sterling, yeah, founder yeah, of the, yeah. the Center yeah. for Law and Me- Military Policy, said no one can prevent a presidential order from being followed with regard to where troops go or don't go. That it didn't yeah. occur is evidence that there was never such an order. So him say he's trying to shift the blame yeah. to say... Well, actually, see, I'm not in charge of security. As you know, he's, yeah, yeah. Um, Nancy is in charge of security of the Capitol, which is true, but that... And they turn it down. They, and I believe he turned it... So he's just accelerating yeah, oh, truth yeah, yeah. to say, well, yeah, he believed it in... He, he, he turned it down in writing. And there's a, and not only did he come from this belief that he turned it down in writing, and there, there, there is a letter out there yeah. somewhere, but surely it would have been... It's not that difficult to find, surely. You think... If it existed, it would yeah. be in the presidential records. Yeah. No, it would have um, been received at the White House. The no? Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, said on January seventh, no other requests were made other than uh, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser's request for three hundred and forty members of the DC National Guard for traffic and crowd control. Like, and that was again before January sixth. Had nothing to do with Trump. She requested yeah. it. Yeah. That was the only request that was made. Pentagon have confirmed that there was. They have no requests on file. The National Guard website lists those kinds of things and doesn't have any record of any of that um there's basically yeah. there's no evidence whatsoever to show that he did that jane campbell the president and ceo of the u.s capital historical society who you know deals with the history of the u.s capital says yeah, yeah. Uh, said no yeah um, no no yeah, congressional official including Nancy Pelosi, or body has the authority to activate the National Guard to the U.S. Capitol, only the president. If the president calls the National Guard to the U.S. Capitol, no congressional official has the authority to decline its service. Which adds more weight to (laughs) the fact that they weren't there Uh can only mean he didn't ask for them. Yeah, but he he has made this claim. And and others, Hannity has made the claim as well that that Nancy Pelosi turned down tens, you know, 10,000 National Guardsmen it just yeah. yeah none of it happened
Wow. So, wow. So you also think that number one is real? I do. And number one? Yeah. It's fake news. Oh, you see, you should have got me with my gut. <laughs> oh, you idiot. Idiot, <laughs> man. Idiot. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, it was, uh, yeah, it was mm. that convincing switch from talking about the good he did for other people and then a sentence later talking about the bad that was done to him. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, what? He, he has previously claimed that there were presidents who were in for eight years and in one case 16 years. He didn't mention 12 years before. Right. In fact, he should have mentioned 12 years because FDR, right. who was the only president who was elected to four terms, died yeah. at the beginning of his fourth term. Right. So, in fact, he only really had 12 years in office, no one's ever had 16. No, no. So. I thought there was a, oh, well, there wasn't a rule brought in. It was after FDR, yeah. Prevent- yeah, that was, oh, it was right. a two-term limit, yeah. Right, because it, it kills them? I don't or? think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. right. It just makes everyone go grey. Yeah, yeah. they were just like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're not going to have anyone that good again. Yeah, so. no, <laughs> we'll just, yeah, we'll guarantee that we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, no. So really troublingly, that means yeah. that number three is real. And this no. was was the beginning of a, a long rant <laughs> about Air Force One and many right. claims. Right. I walk in and they wanted me to sign this co- contract for $5.8 billion. I said, who made the deal? They said, Obama. I said, I'm not signing it. Why? Because it's too much. They said, you don't know anything about it. I said, I know, but it's too much. (laughs) And I told Boeing, Dennis, I said, Dennis, we're not going to buy those planes. What do you mean you're not going to buy them? I said, do we have a cancellation clause? The general told me, yes, sir. I said, good, let's cancel. (laughs) More of his bloody terrible cruise liner stick, isn't it? So he goes on to claim that they would have had to pay $200 million just to cancel. That was like the cancellation right, fee. Right. So he said, no, let's not cancel then, let's let's negotiate. Yeah. And he he told Boeing that he wasn't paying for the planes. He It needed to be in, it needed to have a three at the front. It needed to be three billion and something. And right. if it was four or more, he just wasn't doing it. And they right. said, oh, we, we can't do it. That's too, that's too uh, cheap. And then yeah. he said, all right, well, I'm not going to do it. And then two weeks later, they, they called him back and they said, oh, we'll take off $500 million. And he said, no, it has to be a three. And and then he left it again. And then two months later, they call him back and uh, say, oh, we'll take another $500 million off. And eventually he got it down through his yeah. brilliant deal making yeah, yeah. to 3.9999999. So like one cent off $4 billion. Right, right. So he's he's claiming that that it was started out at five point eight billion and he got it down to to just under four billion, uh, yeah. saved so much money because he was an awesome deal maker and now Boeing are uh, you yeah. know having trouble with it. I'm suspecting that none of that is true. That that he didn't do. That. Uh, let's have a quick look to or see that, if there's anything true. That... <laughs> um, Let me just go through it. Mm. Yeah, no, none of that <laughs> is true. No. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no, what uh, what actually happened was that when he got into office, Boeing were under contract to do a redesign of Air Force One. Right. Uh, under contract for $170 million. Not, not $5.8 billion. Not $5 billion. No. $170 million. 
to so, so he negotiates them up from one hundred seventy three point nine nine nine. So they were yeah. what all they were doing was was doing the kind of preliminary work to design the new Air Force Ones because the the, right. the two because it's two aircraft. The previous ones they've stopped making that model, so they had to new, make new models. They had to do all of the various things that you need to do to make Air Force Ones because it has to have all the communication. It has to be safe. It has to yeah. you know all of that stuff. Yeah. So they were doing the designs. Um, and they expected, after getting that $170 million, to be able to then get the contract to build two planes. Yeah. The Defence Department budget over the next five years, fiscal years 2015 to 2021, yeah. said it would be $2.87 billion. That doesn't include the purchase of the planes. Wow. That's kind of the just for all the work that goes around them. The, the yeah. Teal Group which is an aerospace and defence market analysis firm, mm. um, they estimated that on top of that $2.87 billion, there would be an extra, over the next four years before the planes were actually ready, there would be an extra $858 million to, right. to spend. That would include buying right. the planes and doing all the finishing work. So yeah. the total was $3.73 billion <laughs> right. that was budgeted for, but not... Right. But not you know, agreed with Boeing or allocated or, um, you know, a deal yeah. done by Obama or anything like that. Two, yeah. two billion less than he claimed and, yeah. and 250 and less million than less than he to. ended up paying. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah he, in, he in negotiated them story. up yeah. by 250 yes, yeah. million dollars. Yeah, in his story. Yeah, from something that was already budgeted for that's his and brilliant it, deal. Just, yeah, and it would just—it immediately I was thinking of Ghost can't do it, and his, his <laughs> yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah. deal making in there, you know. And, and, it, like, and in fact, what? one of the one of the ways that his changes ended up costing more money is that he want—he decided to change the color scheme because Air Force One has been this robin's egg blue thing since Kennedy, and he wanted to change it so that it's kind of white on the top bold red stripe along the middle and then dark right. blue uh, on the bottom, which is coincidentally both red, white and blue, American flag, but also yeah. a kind of inverse of Trump's own 747 design yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the Trump yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the darker colour causes problems in, in terms of the engineering because it increases the heat retention on the plane around the engines and right. around all of that stuff. So they had to yeah. do a redesign just based on the fact that he wanted a different colour that ended wow. up costing significantly more. So wow. so now that Biden's in... Because the planes were never due to be ready until 2024. Now they've been put right. back because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, the, now that Biden's in, he's gone back to the, the ro going. Robin's Egg Blue. He's like, yeah, fuck that. Let's just have the original colour. It's fine. Saving two hundred and seventy <laughs> yeah. million. Yeah. So dollars. Biden has yeah. saved considerably more on on Air Force One, just based yeah. on changing the colour scheme back to what it was than yeah. Trump saved. So Trump negotiated that deal <laughs> like he does these famous the art of the deal nonsense for a plane that never got built. And got because of COVID uh -huh. and got redesigned anyway. Yeah. And yet he's he's fabricating this entire story just so that he can get that line in. You don't know anything about it. I said I know, but it's too much. Yeah. Which causes a laugh yeah. from drunk, mad 
captive audiences. Oh, and of course there was never a cancellation fee, let alone $200 million, because no. the, the agreement hadn't been signed. There was no, exactly. there was no contract. There was no agreement. No, so you can't. Would... And, and I mean, he says it in that paragraph. He, he yeah. was being asked to sign a contract, and and no, then he's asked, "Do we have a I'm cancellation clause?" It. What in this contract that you haven't signed no, yet? You haven't... <laughs> yeah, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Yeah, which means right. unfortunately you are oh, still no. further I'm from your further girl. away. Well, not, you're, you're the same distance from fifty. You just have less time now to get. Exactly. <laughs> to get yes. this. You need to get four out of the next five, five in order to make 50 yeah. by. Oh, that'll be, that's all right. I just need to appeal to a higher power. That'll be, that'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just need to manifest that from the universe. And it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called The Seventh Public Hearing Was Not a Logical Fallacy because although last time we talked about Actually, last time we talked about the Supreme Court things, the previous one, we talked about the first six public hearings from the January 6th committee. Yeah, in one go. In one go, yeah. yeah. So that was a bit yeah. of a kind of uh, a, a rush job. This one, yeah. we only have one public hearing to talk about because the next, the last one, the eighth public hearing, yeah. is is starting in about an hour. Right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so we can't so, talk um, about that one yeah. yet. That'll have to wait. Yes. I'm. I am currently in... In France, as I say this, and the people that I've met, most of the people I've met here are Americans, and they're all glued to it. So I was, I was talking about the the the, the uh, hearings you know, from our our distant knowledge base of having kind of watched these things with fast fascination, and the explosion of rantiness from from <laughs> genuine Americans is is a joy to behold. And I, I think it's because they are, uh, they're just as distant from the whole Boris phenomena. So they're intrigued by, by that and my, you know, insights into that. But to be able to talk to a Brit about it, so they kind of because they can't talk to the French about it. Yeah, because the French, French don't, don't give a shit, shit. about it. No. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, they're, they're worried about Marine Le Pen. You know, they don't give a shit. But to, to talk to somebody that's got, that actually is interested and quite fascinated by it and talking about it, it's great to <laughs> just kind of hear the ranting. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. So will you be watching the... the and they, one of them described it as the season finale. Yeah. And, uh, and then we got talking about the, you know, the, the, the TV-style presentation of the thing and, you know, our, our theories that they've learned a lot from the Muller... Um, report and the first impeachment, and now they're rolling this stuff out in a in a proper series cliffhangers, and you know pulling people in like as unexpected new characters get pulled in, and you go, oh my god, that's somebody <laughs> from the Proud Boys. Oh my god, it's actually Jim Watkins from QAnon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There he is. Yeah, yeah, and and I there have been reports that while this may be the season finale it may not be the end of the series and there may be uh -huh. another season or at least a Ooh. few more hearings uh, later, yeah, yeah. either later in the summer or in the fall. It's going to be like like volume two of, of, yeah. um, of Stranger Things, Could isn't be. it? You know, yeah, yeah. there'll be feature length. Uh -huh. Yeah. But sure. they're certainly looking to wrap it up in, in the next one. Uh, this yeah. one was focused largely on... Uh, Trump's links to extremist groups and how yep. his actions motivated them on the day. 
it was led largely by Jamie Raskin and Stephanie Murphy and mm-hmm. featured in-person testimony from a former Oath Keeper yeah. and a guy who was just kind of a, a person who wasn't a member of any of the extremist groups but was a Trump follower who was convinced to, to go to Washington on January 6th by Trump's yep. rhetoric. Yeah, um, yep. and and didn't leave until the moment they were told to. And, yep. you know, and he was saying, well, if he'd have told us earlier, we would have just gone. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of go, it's quite good to have... I think we talked about this before that, you know, as documentary filmmakers, you and I know that what you need to sell the story of several hundred people or, you know, a community yeah. is one person to represent them. Absolutely. And and just talk about it. And, it's, and there's nothing more compelling than hearing an ordinary person talking about how they've responded to the events and you are able, therefore, to extrapolate to the enormity of the crowd yeah yeah Partic- particularly up against the guy from the proud boys and and also nothing better than a reformed thug to talk <laughs> about the thuggery and he was yeah kind of it was i quite liked it when he came on because i was thinking oh yeah he's straight out of central <laughs> casting he's got tattoos uh-huh. on his knuckles and everything you yeah know? He, yeah he should have had like it's a bit like, a bit like um Vivian out of the young ones. He could have had <laughs> the metal stars on the, yeah, the stars on his yeah. head. Yeah, so it's that kind of stuff. But then he, and the fact that he mentioned his grandchild, he said, "I've got a granddaughter," and he kind of go, "That's just excellent." It's yeah, just the perfect. You know, from a, from a TV point of view, it's it's really good. So we started off with Liz Cheney talking about how the arguments from the right have changed over the course of the hearings. And they've mm. moved from just denying everything to essentially saying Trump was just kind of given bad advice by everyone. Right. And she pointed out, first of all, that almost everyone who is giving him advice was telling him that it, that the election was over and he should concede. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, she said, Trump is a 76-year-old man and not an impressionable child. Impressionable child. Which I think is yeah. quite a generous assessment of Trump. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it did make me chuckle. Kind of go, yeah. In our experience, you kind of yeah. go, well, he might be, you know, a bit of both, uh-huh. bit of both. Yeah, the fact that he was yes, he's a responsible adult. Well, he's an impressionable or, child. Or rather, he's re- in the body of a seventy-six-year-old. Resp- yeah, yeah, he's responsible for his own actions. Yeah. rather than he's a responsible adult. Yeah, I take it back. He isn't. <laughs> Many of the people who were are said to have been been giving. In bad, are the ones that are saying to him, what you're thinking of is crazy. So they're kind of flipping that round and they're not advising him, they're not giving him good advice other than what you're thinking of doing, we ought not to do, yeah. rather than going, yeah, Cheney, oh yeah, what we could do. Cheney said yeah. the, the strategy is to blame people his advisors called, quote, the crazies for what Donald Trump yeah. did. And, yeah. and I mean, we, and we heard about um, a meeting... On I think it's December eighteenth. I feel like yeah, so which, a long time. Before. Yeah, yeah, which was described as the craziest meeting of the Trump presidency, which yeah. has got to be yeah. a pretty fucking high bar, oh, isn't oh it? Oh my god! Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> well, didn't uh, who who kind of was in there and sort of ran? The, oh, uh, uh, Cipollone. Yeah, um, Cipollone. Cipollone. Well, he he walked into the meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the meeting was was Trump, Sidney Powell, Giuliani. Mike Flynn, and and yeah. for some reason, the the CEO of Overstock dot com, Patrick yes. Byrne, 
Yeah. Fuck knows why. But Cause, but because the pillow guy wasn't yeah, available. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What are you overstocked with? Well, you know, I've got lots of lots of AR-15s. Yeah, yeah, but but Cipollone walked in apparently and and was like, "What is going on here?" Yes, exactly. Like, look, yeah, yeah. looked at Patrick Byrne and said, "Who are you?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, was a bit worried about what was going on, and and that meeting turned tense. I think was the word used by one yeah, of the uh, yeah. the a, a uh, the, the staffers. Yes. Yeah. Who but, heard screaming or something <laughs> down the hall? Yeah. Those people specifically proposed the immediate mass seizure of state election machines by the US military. It's the very definition of a military coup. It's, Pretty it's much. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since, you know, essentially, yeah, it's the military stepping in to overturn an election yeah. on behalf of the guy who lost. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And at the end of that meeting, at some point, they decided not to bring the military in to seize the election machines. Possibly Cipollone had some impact when he said, this is a fucking awful idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think Hirschman, Eric Hirschman was was in that meeting or or came into the meeting as well. Um, The guy who's kind of comedy lawyer. (laughs) So they they apparently managed to have some impact and, and that idea was rejected. Um, but yeah. it was after that meeting, in uh, like one uh, forty-seven a.m. or something like that, when yeah. Trump sent the tweet saying, "Come to DC on this, on yeah. January sixth, yeah. we'll be wild." He was kind of still fired up from that yeah. insanity. Because was, was wasn't there a tweet that was a draft or that, it, that had been written that he was going to send? That was that was before the actual rally on january 6th that was close closer to the date but yeah we we did hear later on about a tweet that um because they were talking about how much you can show that the stuff that happened on the day of january 6th was planned as opposed to the argument that has been put out quite a lot that it was just you know it uh, well trump made it recently i we heard him uh, uh that this was a protest that got out of hand yeah he's he has said and and kind of disavowing any input or knowledge or impact on what people actually did and they were like you know i can't be held responsible for what people who just think that i should have won do yeah yeah but yeah one of the draft tweets that that we saw was uh saying i will be making a big speech at 10 a.m on january 6th at the ellipse south of the white house please arrive early massive crowds expected march to the capital after stop the steal yeah. So that tweet didn't go out, but it was it was a tweet you know written for him by one of his social media people, and yeah. um and it was it is being used as evidence that there was a plan. Yeah, he didn't just decide on the spot to say okay let's go down to the capital. Um, yeah. that was something that that was already in the works, and as we have heard from Cassidy Hutchinson and from other people. And in fact, there was another uh, message. I think it was, this one was a text message from Kylie Jane Kremer um, mm-hmm. to uh, Mike Lindell. Yeah. This also brings in, first of all, the fact that that was totally planned, but also the fact that they knew it was a bad idea to make it public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. says uh, it, it cannot get out about the march because i will be in trouble with the national park service and all the agencies but potus is going to just call for it quotes 
unexpectedly. Yeah, so they, they they knew ahead of time that he was going to unexpectedly go, oh, yeah, yeah. let's just walk down the road and I'll be with you. I'll be right there. I'll be, you know, leading you on. He didn't, obviously. No. We did, as you said, see from Jim Watkins, the yeah. administrator of Aitken, father yeah. of, of Q. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly, father of Q. <laughs> and thankfully, his facial hair, Jim Watkins' facial hair, calmed down a bit. I mean, you wouldn't know it. If, if that was the first time you'd seen him, you wouldn't know it that had calmed down from anything. No, that's It's still true. pretty wild. It's, it's but, yeah, quite wild. It's a bit... From, yeah, based on previous bit, images. Yeah, where he's got <laughs> wax, any amount of wax, and just madness going yeah. on. Yeah. And wax madness. Uh, wax madness. And he is, he is a, a difficult third album by Jim Watkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's, just, he's another bloody narcissist. The contrast was between the people that took part in the rioting and now are filled with regret or just um, incredulity at what went on versus the people who are manipulating it to their own ends. Mm. And it's just that they, you know, you you can see the genuineness and the sincerity on the, the, face of the guy from the Proud Boys who was actually in there doing the fighting and then he was going, oh, for fuck's sake, this could have been so much worse. I'm just going to correct that because... Right. Oath Keepers, and he wasn't Oath there. Keepers, <laughs> not the Proud... Oh, right, right. <laughs> okay. The, oath, oh, the face of the Oath Keepers who warned them this could have all yeah, been he was, so much Yeah, the, the Oath Keeper guy was the... was uh, previously kind of spokesman for the Oath Keepers left right. yeah. Yeah. A, a couple of years ago, like before... Any of this when happened it, when it all got um, terribly. Yeah, it was just. It was basically when they when they vocally uh, denied the Holocaust was when he was like, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't think I can be in this group anymore. He reminded me of the uh, the founder of the Hell's Angels um, who died recently, Sonny Barger. Mm. He was on the TV talking about the Hell's Angels, and then he became uh, sort of disenchanted with it, and then spoke about the. Um, how it's all gone horribly wrong and it that was never his ideal and it was you know a force for good and now it's been corrupted and all that kind of stuff. and you get you get that sense with the oath keeper guy that it's a convincing warning when he says yeah. it, it could be could have been so much worse and if and could still be yeah and could absolutely. still be yeah whereas the likes of jim watkins Seem to just be in it for them and Trump. Seem to they're just kind of toying with the whole thing. They're playing games with us and yeah. all that kind of. Yeah, thing. in a way, this segment with Jim Watkins and also uh, Jody Williams, the former owner of uh, the Donald Dot Win, which is a yeah, yeah, racist. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just open, openly yeah. anti-Semitic site uh, yeah. in in yeah. support of of Don Trump. That segment seemed to largely be just saying, look, there's some really fucking weird people out on social media and they totally responded to the stuff Trump was saying. Yeah. That that was like, you know, we're going to be talking about extremist groups in a bit, but these guys, <laughs> yeah, these, yeah. these aren't even like organized weirdos. These are yeah. just, these are just on online weirdos. Um, yeah. And they believed everything he was saying and... And came yeah. to Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people on these sites, the people on these these um, really extremist echo chambers. Yeah, where yeah. all of all they're hearing is is this crazy conspiracy stuff. Yeah, and they are 
constantly feeding into it and um you know the 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 rhetoric that they are getting on there and 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 posting on there there was people posting um you know bring handcuffs wait near the tunnels and someone else saying bring body armor knuckles shields hats yeah. hats yeah. bats i read that wrong uh <laughs> hats would be fine i wouldn't have a problem if they were all just wearing hats not all yeah. just wearing hats that would have been weird no that would have been worse <laughs> yeah but hats yeah. rather than bats that's what i say that's my new poster hats yeah. not bats hats not bats <laughs> yeah you could stick a you could stick a six inch uh-huh. nail through a hat, and it would only harm the wearer of the hat. Yeah, yeah. So um, yes, bats, pepper spray, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that is posted on these yeah. sites. If they were trying to make the link between uh, what Trump said and the fact that extremists were coming as a result of it. Yeah, you need to go to the extremist sites so that's why jim watkins was there and the guy from donald.win was there because they are the representatives of those very extremists as it were or or rather they represent the platforms upon which those extremists can congeal that's a that's the right word yeah yeah and that's why also they spent some time linking mike flynn and roger stone yeah to those extremist groups the the proud boys and the oath keepers um, yeah, and and in fact, uh, Patrick Byrne, the uh, CEO of Overstock, as well, they they showed a, an image that had um, Flynn and Patrick Byrne uh, among Oath Keepers, and yeah. uh, didn't they show a? I think they showed Roger Stone taking the Proud Boys Oath or the Oath Keepers Oath or whatever it was, which yeah, was a yeah, weird thing, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's that these are people who are clearly. Trump's close advisors, the, the the advisors he turns to when yeah. his real advisors are telling him stuff he doesn't want to hear. That's right. Yeah, when he when he wants when he wants people to agree with what he's yes. his crazy notions, yeah. those are his advisors that he turns to. Um, so and, yeah, so it, yeah. so by so it's well, it's not by pro, well, almost by proxy. These these advisors that were advising him to do this stuff are in the company of yeah. these right right wing militia groups yeah it, it yeah. it makes their degrees of separation from the leader of the free world um you yeah. know very very short isn't it the, yeah. these these yeah. people who are well not even self described militias they the the guy was saying they wouldn't call themselves a militia but that's what they are these yeah. these people who are who see themselves as the the last armed hope for civilization, basically. Yes. Yeah, against yeah. the woke left and all that stuff. Yeah. They they very much have the ear of the president and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what this entire hearing was designed to show, was just yeah. how close these links are and how actually when he said something, they take notice and, and yeah. vice versa. Yeah, and and it was also establishing that the things that he was saying by other sensible adults mm-hmm. who who aren't um, you know, right wing militias, they they were saying, well, those ideas are just mad. Yeah, what? Yeah, all of just, the, all of you, the adults in yeah. the room, and that's the thing. In this yeah. September eighteenth meeting, there weren't any adults in the room. They were all no. crazy people. Yeah, 
They were and it was, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, it was only yeah. when Cipollone and Hirschman found out about the meeting and went in and that that there was pushback. Um, yeah. And before that, they were all sitting around deciding how to ruin the world. <laughs> yeah, because of their crazy conspiracies. I wonder whether the relationship kind of went both ways with the right wing extremists being just being there and feeding Trump's ego. Because he likes people who like him, mm. so they like him, and so he, in order to continue to be liked by them, he would court their um, devotion by listening to what they were talking about. Because how was it that these, you know, paramilitary groups who are you know anti semites and anti everything latched onto Trump? Is it because he was? I think it's a it's a lock and key type thing. I think he just mm. he happened to fit into that exact area of of the the paranoia, the conspiracy thinking, and the racism. Yeah, that, yeah. that exactly married with what they'd been doing for decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and suddenly they didn't have to hide it anymore. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly that. There yeah. is that. Yes. Quite. We got an interesting insight into the point at which someone turned away from Trump. Uh, uh, and remember, I think the really important thing to remember is, although all of these people who have, but it's, you know, Liz Cheney as well, but uh, but also all of the um, people who have given testimony, Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, Cipollone, um, all of all of the people we've seen, mm-hmm. they're all terrible people. Who stuck yeah. with Trump? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Almost all the way. <laughs> yeah. The fact yeah. that at some point, eventually, after years of yeah. of ev- all of the shit that he did, eventually they got to a point where they were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that's a bit too far." Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. not okay. They they yeah. they should have got to that point much much earlier. Yeah. And they keep going, oh, well, that's just Trump being yeah. Trump. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You go, no, no, surely, you know, anyone else, yeah, a Democrat had done one of those things, you would have been on him and they made yeah. him... Yeah, um, but we did get him. the point where Brad Pascal, who has been... He's worked on Trump's campaign and his website and his social media and all kinds of stuff like that grifted a reasonable amount of money for himself in in those roles yeah. and has absolutely supported Trump through 99% of his worst stuff. Yeah. We got a, a text exchange between him and Katrina Pearson, the former yeah. spokesperson, where he said that actually after January 6th, he regretted helping him get elected. And yep. he said, uh, this is about Trump pushing for uncertainty, a sitting president asking for civil war. This week, yeah. I feel guilty for helping him win. Well, fuck you. You should have felt yeah. guilty for helping him win <laughs> right at the beginning. Exactly. And, and then exactly. every day on since. On the first thing, <laughs> yes. On the first thing, yeah. what happened, yes. And Katrina Pearson yeah. said, you did what you felt right at the time and therefore it was right, which is not how that works. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, no, that absolutely, yes. And then he said, yeah, but a woman is dead. If I was Trump and I knew my rhetoric killed someone, Katrina Pearson yeah. said it wasn't his rhetoric, and Pascal wrote back, Katrina, yes, it was. 
Yeah. And yes, yeah, it I lo- was. I love that. Two vestiges. <laughs> Katrina yeah. dot. Yes, yes it, was. it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was. But yeah. Yeah. Of course it and was. And she's still fucking defending him at that point. Yeah. Well, she's the Nadine Doris of, yeah. um, of the Trump administration. But yeah, but yeah, that's the point. After everything yeah. that's happened up to up to January 6th, that's the point yeah. at which Brad Pascal went, oh, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, he got yeah. so many people killed during his presidency. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, all of the COVID deaths that he mm-hmm. could have prevented by by going on screen and saying early in the process, please yeah. be sensible, socially distance, wear your masks, take this seriously. Yeah. The number of people he could have saved by doing that. And yet Brad is like, yeah, but a woman got shot because she believed him. Mm, that's mm-hmm. too much. Mm. Well, you know, it's the it's the same as Boris's thing where he just kind of goes, "Oh yeah, but we got the we got the the vaccine rolled out, which we couldn't have done, mm. uh, which we absolutely could have done by the and so what? Hundred thirty thousand people still died. Two hundred thousand people were up to now in the UK. Wow, Jesus Christ! You know, many of whom could have been prevented if you'd gone into lockdown sooner and didn't come out quite as... And he's now celebrating that we came out of lockdown yeah. earlier yeah, we were than one everybody of the else. first countries to come out of lockdown, and then, yeah. then one and of the then, first countries to go back into lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then tens of thousands done of it people died as a result. Yeah, and, uh-huh. and then, you know, it, it, and then we go back round again. Yeah, yes. Yep. Like a record... Player round, 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 round. Yeah. So yeah, we we heard from we've talked about actually the people who gave testimony, but but yes, yeah, yeah. basically Stephen Ayres is just a Trump supporter, not a member of an extremist group, but yeah. was absolutely motivated by Trump's rhetoric, motivated yeah. by his that that specific December nineteenth tweet, yeah. and was most of his testimony was saying essentially, I I was in a bit of a bubble i believed the things he was saying i was motivated and angry based uh, you know when i believed that the election had been stolen because of the stuff trump was saying and yep. that's why i went there and that's why i went into the capital and when he said to leave that's immediately i left yeah and, and yeah we, you know and all of the people i was with and all the people around me were just doing the same thing we were doing yeah. what we thought he was telling us to do if Trump just kind of said, well, I didn't, or, you know, his supporters are saying, oh, no, he didn't mean anything by that. He wasn't being deliberate any, in any way. So what they've done is shown the draft tweet. They've shown yeah. the the people who are saying he's not going to, we're not going to arrange that because we'll get in trouble with the park service, but he's going to do this. In the sure and certain knowledge that people like Stephen Ayers, who... And and if we, as Stephen Ayres implies, all of the people there were like him in that they would respond to Trump. So Trump knew that and Trump knew what he was doing. So they're just kind of giving us everything. All we need and we're never going to get it is Trump to say, yes, that's what I intended. Yeah. yeah. So they've done they've I mean, that, done well, that, well, That's why he waited four that. hours before he... Oh God! Yeah, to leave. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, and that's what the 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 season finale is yeah. going to be about, isn't it? It's yeah. going to be about the what the White House was doing during the 
it's such a brilliantly constructed <laughs> series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. so, so good. Yeah, because you're kind of, you're given all the pieces and then you know, it is the perfect documentary because you're led up to that and then yeah. you're going, okay, so what was going on in the White House when it was happening? So yeah. these people who are saying... We we knew what he meant when he tweeted that. Here's the draft tweet that we wrote for him to send. You know, here's the bit where he changed the speeches to in, to get them to put the stuff about Pence back in. You know, here's the bit where the 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 oathkeeper guy was saying, "Well, yeah, look, they they would have hung him. That's yeah. the kind of Absolutely, people that yeah. they are." And then here's Stephen Ayres, a poor sap who just kind of goes. Well, yeah, I'm just going to follow what he said, and he said it, and I did it. So there yeah. is a, there's a, a yeah. The Oathkeeper guy, um, Jason Van Tattenhove. Yeah. First of all, one of the things I've noticed during these hearings is that Benny Thompson, the chairman, does not practice names. Mm. He no, he will just <laughs> say a name, say like some version. When uh, Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, was was a witness, yeah. The, Benny Thompson said like five or six different variations on Raffensperger. <laughs> and it yeah. was just like it doesn't doesn't matter. Whatever comes out yeah, is that fine. Yeah. And the yeah. and the similar thing with Tattenhove. Mr. 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 And you kind of think there's there is a at the BBC in the UK, there is a pronunciation unit uh-huh. where you yeah. go to find out, you know. How how to pronounce Ahmadinejad? Yeah, you know that that you know these kind of you know when people occur in the news, <laughs> there is this tacit understanding at the BBC that not all of them will be yeah. Smiths and Jones and you know Evans and Davis. They will be people that aren't from England, so they will yeah. have international names. Mister Nahasabima Petalan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had a student called. Um, her surname was Igbabisioku, <laughs> and she was from yeah. Ghana. And you kind of go, well, yeah, that's you. You you study that, and you work Absolutely. That out because it shows yeah. respect to the the. And it's not like the people in the White House or you know who are have got ordinary names. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the Jason Van Tatenhove, uh, the just in the introduction. Benny Thompson did it like three different ways, yeah. and and I and I was kind of expecting Tattenhove to to Just to like, to laugh no. or something like yeah. he was because yeah. it's a very serious situation. He's there to talk yeah. about violent political extremism, yeah. but but he's having his name just mutilated multiple yeah. different ways and, exactly. but no yeah. he kept he kept straight face violence being enacted on his <laughs> name yeah yeah so it, well yeah. done but yeah, yeah uh, basically <laughs> he was the spokesperson for the oath keepers for a couple of years like yeah. before any of this stuff happened and yeah, and yeah. left well before January 6th so yeah. i thought his testimony was was interesting but not extremely relevant to yeah it kind of it, it's what a was bit going on. like when they uh when something happens in the royal family and then they trot out 
Nicholas Witchell. Nicholas Witchell. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who yeah. go? And they go. Yeah, Nicholas Witchell. You were the former royal correspondent. <laughs> yeah. He was what do you? Re- what do you know? You, you reported yeah. on the royals twenty years ago. That's Let, right. Tell yeah. us, what, what tell do you us something about. Tell us something about the. With the yeah. And you go. Well, we haven't got a fagging clue. You know, let's just cut to somebody standing yeah. outside a building. Can you tell us any more than we know here? No, yeah. They go, no. Okay, thank you. We'll come back to the studio. So it was a, it was a bit like that. I yeah. thought it was really valuable to get insight on into the Oath Keepers as an as an organisation and yes. Stuart Rhodes as a leader. Yeah, but he had nothing to say about what they did leading up to the sixth, what they did on the sixth. No. Any of that stuff. And you're not going to get that. No, no. Because it's so the, you get the nearest thing you can do, which is a reformed, you know, you, you what you want is Sonny Barger. You kind of get, you get a reformed Hells Angel. Yeah. And you go, okay, tell us about the Hells Angels. And they go, mm-hmm. well, this is their moral code. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't work. Their moral compass, it just follows whoever's got the most magnets in their pockets. It, it, you know, this, this is how they operate. This is the kind of thing they would be thinking. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, it, it's in lieu of getting somebody who actually was there, but you yeah. know that the person that's actually there is still, you know, yeah. they're wanted felons, so they're not going to turn up. It just, at, it felt... Yeah. A little disappointing for me, purely based on the fact that it's almost the last hearing. You know, yeah. the, the next one is the kind of summing up of putting everything yeah. together. We're going to hear from another couple of low-level White House staffers. I think Sarah Matthews, Deputy Press Secretary, about the stuff that was going on on, on January 6th itself. And we'll hear more from Pat Cipollone as well. But yeah. um, it felt like we're kind of we're ramping up towards the end. He was kind of mostly really the last person they interviewed before we get to the conclusion. I would have preferred it if he had been earlier on in the process. And yeah, and the yeah. the acceleration that I felt there had been felt slightly slowed by his testimony. Not because he yeah. wasn't interesting or you know had no gravitas or anything like that it's just it it wasn't as relevant as a lot of the other stuff we've heard about especially in a way after Cassidy Hutchinson kind of being a surprise yeah yeah a surprise witness each more surprising than the last yes type situation on the last year yeah well I guess that's the um the kind of thing that that you would work out in a test screening. <laughs> you go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it slows a bit in the third yeah. act. It's got a bit slow. So maybe we should trim trim that or move it further back, further forward. Otherwise, it's been very well written. <laughs> yeah. It's, been, it's <laughs> yeah. very well produced and, and it has told the narrative very convincingly and carefully, responsibly... Um, and I'm looking forward to the, the one that is that in fact just started like ten minutes ago, right? Um, <laughs> that we'll yeah. talk about next time. Yeah. Oh yeah, can't wait. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Okay, we're 105 episodes in now, and I feel like we've given our listeners a pretty good grounding in how to spot shitty yeah, arguments. Yeah. But it's important to remember that not everyone's been listening from the beginning. Maybe this is even your first episode. If that's the case, welcome. And you specifically are forgiven if you somehow still believe that Republicans are actually pro-life. 
don't worry, you'll figure it out. I mean, we could start with the fact that Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, a man who looks like he got cosmetic surgery from the woman who painted Monkey Jesus, is suing the Biden administration for the right to let more women die in treatable medical emergencies. There's not a lot Biden can do right now about Roe versus Wade being overturned, but one thing he has done is release updated guidance to doctors around the country about terminating pregnancies in order to save the life of the mother. The advice from the Department of Health and Human Services essentially just clarifies the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labour Act to make sure everyone understands that not only are doctors protected by federal law if they perform an abortion to save the mother's life, they're legally required to do so. This advice was sorely needed since healthcare providers in states where trigger laws outlawed abortion after the Dobbs decision came out have received mixed messages and have in some cases been justifiably too afraid to perform procedures. But Ken Paxton, who looks so much like a potato I'm shocked he's not the Attorney General of Idaho, has argued this violates the rights of doctors not to participate in terminating a pregnancy. When a healthcare provider takes federal funding, they must provide treatment to people in a medical emergency. So if a doctor doesn't want to do it, they have the right to go and work in IT instead, where this very rarely comes up. On Tuesday, the House passed the Respect for Marriage Act, which would legally protect same-sex and interracial marriages, even if the Supreme Court were to strike current constitutional protections down by a bipartisan 267 to 157 vote. As the Wall Street Journal noted, more than 90% of the Americans oppose interracial marriage bans, whilst more than 67% oppose same-sex marriage bans. And moreover, the Democrats were able to peel away 47 Republicans, a quarter of the GOP caucus, to vote for the act. Other Republican senators were more sceptical. Marco Rubio called the House bill a stupid waste of time. Tommy Tuberville of Alabama wouldn't commit either one way or the other on the bill, but when asked about whether he supports same-sex marriage, said, yeah, well, if that's what you want to do, fine. His response fell into the sure, maybe, whatever, is that even a thing category? Mike Braun of Indiana joined four or five others in category two with, until I see the legislation, I'm not going to make a comment on whether I'll support it or not. Chuck Grasley of Iowa created the nothing like that should even be thought about by anybody because he's not endangered in any way category, despite Justice Clarence Thomas is saying that the court should reconsider rights like marriage equality that were based on the same reasoning as the struck down Roe v. Wade. Lindsey Graham confused some people by declaring, I'll support the Defence of Marriage Act, which is defunct, instead of the new RFMA law. So, the exact opposite thing of what is being proposed. And of course, Marco Rubio played the old, I'm not a dot, 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 some of my best friends are dot, dot, dot card, with, I know plenty of gay people in Florida that are pissed off about gas bills. And in a refreshingly didum-dum-tish kind of way, Republican Nancy Mace, who voted for the bill, quipped, if gay couples want to be as happily or miserably married as straight couples, more power to them. Trust me, I've tried it more than once. Just when we thought our right-don't-do-funny theory was sealed shut, maybe, just maybe, a small amount of sunlight might be shining through in the house. Multi-shirted former Trump advisor Steve Bannon, who looks like he just staggered into a Bedouin tent after being lost in the desert with no food or water for a week, is currently on trial for defying a congressional subpoena from the January 6th committee. This month hasn't gone well for him, starting with virtually all his pre-trial motions being denied, largely on the basis they were all bullshit. 
Among many other things, the judge didn't let him claim executive privilege, didn't allow him to call every single January 6th committee member and Nancy Pelosi to demand they explain their reasons for subpoenaing him, and didn't let him argue that defying the subpoena was not illegal, actually, because he was acting on the advice of his lawyers. Said lawyer, David Schoen, came so close to understanding reality when he exasperatedly asked the judge, what's the point in going to trial here if there are no defences? So close. Missed it by that much. The prosecution rested their case after two days, which is actually quite a long time since they only called two witnesses, one to testify that a subpoena had been issued and the other that Bannon hadn't shown up. The defence, meanwhile, rested today without presenting any evidence or witnesses at all. Closing arguments and jury instructions are scheduled tomorrow, followed by what I expect will be quite a short deliberation period. <laughs> no evidence or witnesses. They okay. just didn't have any. <laughs> What's the point of going to trial here? Yeah. 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 Remember that Sasha Baron Cohen show, This Is America, and the sequence when a character he was playing demonstrated a handheld airport security-style so-called paedophile detector wand that beeped whenever it got near Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Roy Moore? Well, you'll also recall that Moore sued Baron Cohen in a $95 million defamation lawsuit. Yep, the right don't do funny. Well... Hilariously, the last laughs on Moore because the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan upheld the lower court's ruling in favour of Baron Cohen, meaning Baron Cohen had won already and Moore appealed, and the appeal was then overturned on the basis that the three judges also found it was clearly comedy, which I suspected court ruling speak for they laughed out loud, and that no viewer would think the comedian was making factual allegations against Moore. The ruling further stated Baron Cohen may have implied, despite his in-character disclaimers of any belief that Judge Moore was a paedophile, that he believed Judge Moore's accusers, but he did not imply the existence of any independent factual basis for that belief, besides the obviously farcical paedophile detecting device, which no reasonable person could believe to be an actual functioning piece of technology. Whilst the appeal court had noted that it was indeed a ruse that Moore got to appear on the show, they also noted that Moore signed a binding release waiving all legal claims. In an all-too-familiar response, no reasonable person Moore texted a statement to the Associated Press. For far too long, the American people have been subjected to the antics of Sacha Baron Cohen. His pusillanimous and fraudulent conduct must be stopped. We will appeal. Yeah, good luck, Roy. Because let me tell you, you don't appeal to no one. Ha ha. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Roy Moore does not understand the word pusillanimous. No, because it's such a great word to you. It's a great word. Yeah, but, but it's, but it's it, very English. Well, it, yeah, British it, English word. It, it, it means lacking courage, which. Yeah. Anything you can say about Sasha Baron Cohen, he's got he's a, some fucking balls he on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he does not lack courage. Yeah. And it, yeah, and and what is it fraudulent? Because he's it's I mean, it was totally fraud- open. It was fraudulent. He was literally pretending to be an Israeli yeah. defence contract called That's true. Eric Morad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they did say, here's the waiver you can sign yeah. Yeah. to to you know, yeah. That. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I would recommend any any filmmaker of any stripe, documentary or anything, if you can ever get a look at the the releases that Sasha Baron Cohen uses, 
they are yeah. clearly the best in the world because <laughs> yeah. he's been yeah. sued a number of times and is right. al- always wins yeah. based on the fact that people signed this release <laughs> and therefore he can just do whatever the fuck he wants <laughs> he with it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can find it, show me yeah. what it is. Show yeah, me. Send we it to want us. It. We want it. Send it to us. We need that. <laughs> not not for any not, no, uh, not nefarious purposes. No, no. <laughs> just in case. Just in case we just want to look at the thing. You never know There's when you might get sued. Um, in, the, in the Ruttles series of songs, Neil Innes wrote a song uh, which was a uh, Paul McCartney pastiche and of kind of Martha, my dear, and that kind of, you know, sort of uh, jaunty English type of music. And he rhymes, you're so pusillanimous, oh dear, nature's calling and I must go there. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah, so that's the only time I've heard it in, in a song. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing Neil in his excels at. <laughs> As we may have mentioned once or twice before, Trump lost over 60 court cases following the 2020 election, and while he's been a loser for a very long time, these losses, be they in court, in business or just in life, were spread out over many years, so it must have been quite exhilarating to lose so much in such a short time. It seems like maybe Trump misses just feeling something and is now going out of his way to find fights he can lose. His latest was with the Pulitzer Prize board and, by proxy, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Both of those esteemed publications won national reporting Pulitzers in 2018 for their reports on the Trump administration's links to Russia and the subsequent investigation. Trump demanded the board revoke those awards, based largely on the fact that he keeps saying it was all a hoax. So, yeah, no, that's it, actually. (laughs) The Pulitzer board must have been having a quiet one, so they commissioned two separate reviews from individuals with no connection to either paper. Their report, released this week, said, quote, The separate reviews converged in their conclusions that no passages or headlines, contentions or assertions in any of the winning submissions were discredited by facts that emerged subsequent to the conferral of the prizes. Knowing that this wouldn't satisfy his need for a fix of those sweet, sweet court losses, Trump already promised earlier this year that if the Pulitzer board didn't do the right thing on their own, he would file a lawsuit. Don't worry, Trump, there'll be plenty more losses to come for you. We won't let you down. Car and Driver magazine reports that Ben Moss, incoming State House representative in North Carolina's District 52, is running on the Get Mad Electricity ticket. He's proposing in House Bill 1049 tearing out the public electric vehicle charging points unless gas and diesel pumps were installed next to them. Because let's face it, EVs are a menace to health and jobs and locally US-produced electricity and everything. Never mind that VinFast is building a 2,000-acre factory just up the road and will employ 7,500 people, and Toyota is building a battery factory outside Greensboro that will employ 1,750 people. But let's remember that House Bill 1049 will also create a job for the person who goes around and rips out the free public charges. Until that's done, which will probably be the better part of a week, he's not just after the public ones. He's determined to have private businesses like restaurants who have an EV charger in the parking lot detail in the bill for all patrons what proportion of the bill goes to subsidising the charger. It's a bit like asking, why am I paying taxes for street lamps when I don't have one outside my house? Or why are there libraries I can't read? And school, who needs them? I'm not a kid. Still, 
That's the American way as far as Moss sees it, fomenting the suspicion in the voting population that someone might just be getting something out of this, like, say, a job higher up in the GOP. Hey, Ben? I once heard tell of a thing called good news. I'm not personally convinced it's real, but as a good sceptic, I'll keep an open mind. The strongest evidence I've seen for a while is a story in Axios about the gap in fundraising results between GOP and Democratic Senate candidates in this midterm cycle. For example, in Arizona, the leading Republican candidate, Blake Masters, raised just $827,000 in the last three months, compared to $13.6 million for Senator Mark Kelly, the Democratic incumbent. In New Hampshire, Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan raised $5.07 million compared to just $538,000 for her leading GOP challenger, State Senate President Chuck Morse. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, Dr Oz raised $1.6 million against Democrat John Fetterman's $10 million. And Fetterman doesn't even need all that money, since he keeps going viral for trolling Oz in fun and creative ways. For just $393.75, Fetterman got Jersey Shore's Snooky to make a cameo video for Oz, telling him she doesn't know why he would ever want to leave New Jersey just for a job, but not to worry because it's just temporary and he'll be back in Jersey soon. Despite the fact that Snooky clearly has no clue who Dr Oz is, Oz fought back, kind of, by claiming on a radio talk show, she's been on my show, I know all these celebrities, I could actually have celebrities do my campaign for me. Which simultaneously proved that he'd completely missed the point of the video and made me wonder which celebrities he could get given his rapidly dwindling campaign funds. I hear Kevin Sorbo's got a lot of time on his hands, and he's only $80 on Cameo. Very Trump thing to say, is it? <laughs> I know all these celebrities. They've been on my show. Yeah, we got, yeah. Yeah. If I if I wanted, I could yeah. get them to do I could, my yeah, campaign. Anyway, yeah. I just yeah. I don't want them to. I just don't want them to. No. I, know I, I know lots yeah. of famous people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Who are they? Well, not allowed to tell you. Yeah. But, uh, they wouldn't uh, want me to. If they're from yeah. Canada, you wouldn't know them. Yeah. You <laughs> in the car crash, dumpster fire, cat fight, all in wrestling debacle that is British politics this week. We have seen the same lawmakers who all demanded honesty, integrity and transparency when resigning en masse to get rid of Boris Johnson resort to all the usual duplicitous, opaque tribe mentality in selecting, supporting, then character assassinating the nominees to be the next leader and prime minister. From nine candidates, including one or two complete unknowns, insofar as they weren't tainted by ever having worked in Boris's cabinet, and would therefore provide the clean start several lawmakers said the party needed in their resignation letters, we are now down to two. Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor who started the whole headlong resignation rush, and the right-wing Boris continuation candidate Liz Truss. Truss, to not put too fine a point on it, is utterly shit. She is Trump to Boris's W. She is merely there so the right-wing Brexiteer puppet masters who manipulated unwitting idiot narcissist Boris into believing he was in charge can continue to be in charge. Truss is equally unwitting and idiotic, the perfect Boris continuation candidate. And she also really believes she is very good and there on her own merits. She's not. And she isn't. What I am looking forward to is the absolute laugh fest that Prime Minister's questions will be if she gets to be Prime Minister. I'm not looking forward to the continuing wreck she'll make of the UK. God, we thought May was wooden. Truss gives your eyes splinters just looking at her. 
you might say it's not a coincidence that I'm recording my bit in France for the next three or so episodes. You might be right. Honestly, the, just the fact that Trust believes she is capable of being Prime Minister is enough yeah. to prove she isn't. I mean, it's with Boris, you can kind of understand why he would be arrogant enough to think it, because... Because, yeah, he's well-educated and people have been telling him he's great his yes, whole exactly. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or at least some enough people that he can drown out the people who tell him he's an idiot. Yeah. Surely no one's been telling Liz Trust she's great her whole life. No. She, there can't have been more than a handful of people who've ever said anything nice about her. No. So, One of those is her mum, who yeah. then changed, changed her mind So, so up. Yeah. what could possibly have given her the idea... That she's capable yeah. of something like this. It's well, insane. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, I'll give three reasons. Jacob, Reese, and Mog. You know, that, <laughs> that's it. They've just gone, okay, we need an unwitting narcissistic idiot to take the place of the previous unwitting narcissistic idiot to carry out the right-wing donors and also protect my offshore interests from the European Union laws about closing loopholes for offshore interests that's yeah that's exactly I mean, what what it's still for. has she not seen the speech she gave about cheese and <laughs> yeah. pork markets exactly <laughs> no 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 <laughs> nor has she seen uh michael spicer's man next door <laughs> version of that either which is just brilliant it's genius yeah yeah so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we use fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you're at a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get the podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our strawman-level patrons Steve Bickle, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman-level patrons Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, Max Beaver, and our top patron Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. Your support is very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word... To the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.